Y'all, today I am sitting down with one of my friends and the OG in the lifestyle blogging community. It's Camille Styles. Now, if you did not grow up as a blogger, then there's a chance that you are not familiar with this powerhouse. But let me tell you, for all of us who have tried to build a lifestyle brand in the last decade, Camille is the gold standard. She is who we all look to to figure out what we should be doing and how we should show up for our audience. If you have ever considered starting a blog or a lifestyle brand, I think that you're going to enjoy all of her wisdom and the unique perspective she brings to what she does. Listen in. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is The Rise Podcast. For people who are not familiar with you already, who don't know your story, will you tell us who you are and tell us what you do and how you got here? Sure. So I'm Camille Styles. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the lifestyle site CamilleStyles.com, where we produce daily content that's all about living life like you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, lead a fantastic group of seven women out of our studio in downtown Austin, where we produce photo and video shoots. We research and write articles for the site. Um, we just produce everything that you see across all of our channels. And I'm also a mom to three-year-old Henry and six-year-old Phoebe. Nice. Uh, so tell us if, if people are not already familiar with your name and what it means, how long have you been blogging? So I, people have started to call me one of the OGs. You are the OG <laughs> Which as is far so as so weird, but it's cool to look back and see kind of the evolution. I started my site 10 years ago. Um... At the time, I had started an event planning company. I was in my early 20s and started my site as, well, a blog really then. It was in the early days of blogging when people weren't really making a living as a blogger. Totally. It was definitely a fun side hobby way before there was an influencer economy. And I mean, it was pre-Instagram, pre-Twitter, all of that. So the landscape looked really different. But I was a journalism major in school. I'd always loved to write. And for me, my blog felt like just the most fun, creative outlet. Looking back, it is funny to see how I think I kind of downplayed it, though, as just this like little side creative hobby. Um, and I was afraid in the beginning to look at it as something that could be something bigger. Um, I think I was afraid to dream too big or you know, that I might fail or sound silly. Um, but I found that I was getting up early and staying up late to work on my blog and just fell in love with the process of creating content and having an audience to share it with. But it is really interesting to look back and see the way that the site has evolved over the years and just the content itself. In those early days, I was still at a point in my career where I think I was trying to be like the next Martha Stewart, you know, trying to kind of emulate what I'd seen others doing before and having success with. And so 
when I look back at those early posts, I see a lot of perfect parties and how to impress your guests. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that type of content if it really brings you joy. But over the years, the site has really come to embrace as its core message, authenticity and imperfection and really just going from looking at beautiful things to wanting to empower our audience to really live life on purpose and show up fully. And it's where that message of living life like you mean it comes from. So I'm always looking for that piece in everything that we're doing. Well, I think what's so interesting about you is um, I'm sure that most of the audience is familiar with you, but if you are a blogger, if you were a lifestyle blogger and you've had a lifestyle blog at any point in the last decade, you were... When I was back in the day trying to trying to be a blog, blogger and figure out the thing, Camille Styles, you're the gold standard. Oh, like, and, and it's not just me because I've had this conversation with other bloggers where we're like, oh, when you built your site, and it's like, oh, well, I looked at Camille Styles <laughs> and I tried to do my version of that. You really were. I felt like. Um, there were people like Martha Stewart, like high level, had a whole media company behind them, but you were truly the first, like regular woman that I felt like really elevated her content. It wasn't just, here's the picture of my food, which was like the crappy blogging I was doing. (laughs) It was really thoughtful and beautiful. How in the world did you even know how to do that? Well, thank you. It was a lot of learning by doing. Um, And I think that all of anyone who's had a blog hopes that there's this one point where there's like a tipping point where everything suddenly just blows up. But like most of us out there, you know, my story really was one of grit and determination and just showing up and being so consistent in creating content day after day, even when I didn't feel like it. Let me ask real quick, just so we can unpack that for listeners. What does consistency look like when you're just starting out? versus what does consistency look like today? Because I think that that kind of changes over time, uh, how you show up in the beginning, let's say, when you're when you're hustling and you're new and you don't really know what you're doing. Consistency could be, I'm just going to make sure I post every single day of the week, versus now consistency might expand. So it might be how often you post, but also the quality of the work. Like, Can you talk about the evolution of your consistency? Yeah, that's a great question because I do often have <clears throat> more up-and-coming bloggers ask me how often they should be posting or you know, asking me how often I post. And it is two totally different stories because as we've grown from a blog to a lifestyle publication, we're posting, you know, five, six times a day sometimes um, and have contributors all over the country. So it's a totally different scenario than where I was when I started out. Um, I think consistency can be even a couple times a week if you are creating that relationship with your community and creating content that is so high quality and thoughtful that they are going to come to you no matter how frequent the posting is. Um, But I think that for your audience to know and be able to count on the fact that when they come to your site, there's going to be something new for them to ingest. And um, I think just that you're always creating and always trying to do something new is so key. Um, 
I do think that I started the site with a real focus on creating the highest quality content that I could. And that's grown over time. Um, at the beginning, it was me trying to figure out how, how to create or how to take a better photo. Um, this was before iPhones were taking really great photos. So I had to figure out how to work a DSLR. Um, really honing my styling skills. When I look back at some of those earlier recipes, I mean, the styling is horrendous. Right, and right. that just continues to evolve. Yeah. But I think that I love looking back at those earlier posts because it does show that growth and evolution. And our journeys are so... Just seeing that journey is Absolutely. so important to understanding who we are and what our own stories are. Um, I would never go back and delete an old post because Agreed. I think it's something to celebrate. Yeah, I, I keep all of those original videos of me speaking on stage like a decade ago when I'm just like my hand, you can literally see my body shaking on stage because I'm so scared and I'm awful. But I keep them there because I want people to see how far I've come because I it's just that reminder. If you look back on your old posts, you look back on my old speaking videos, then I hope it encourages you to go like, okay, I'm not there yet, but I can be mm -hmm. like I if I'm willing to put in the work and if I'm willing to allow myself to suck because I think so many women think that they have to get it perfect right out of the gate when the reality is if you would just allow yourself to to be a beginner mm -hmm. because the only way you're going to learn like the only way you got better at styling was just to style right like over time, adding, adjusting, consuming, I'm sure, you know, what was happening trend-wise or what was happening in the world so that you could become a better stylist yourself. Absolutely. And it's funny how as I've gotten better at creating good content, I think I've also gotten more okay with not looking perfect, which mm -hmm. in a way sounds counterintuitive, but I think that that desire to look perfect or look good enough in front of an audience, no matter what size that audience is, it's something that can be really hard to get past. But I think that, you know, if you really are in engaging with your community and wanting to connect with them, that realization of like embracing your flaws and imperfections is so important because <laughs> that's ultimately the only thing that people really connect with. Yeah. How much, speaking of that community, how much of what you're creating today is based on the feedback that you hear from the community? Like how much was it in the beginning versus how much is it now? Listening to our community is something that I've really had to learn how to do. I think for years, my biggest struggle was really being able to, to, to define what my own point of view was. Um, it's really easy in the space to kind of look to your right and look to your left and see what others are doing and how they're having success, um, doing something a certain way. And it really takes a lot of courage to do things your own way. Um, and I think that that realization came from my own struggles for me, my biggest challenge has been really figuring out that balance between kind of being the kind of mom and wife and friend that I want to be with being the kind of businesswoman that I want to be. Mm -hmm. And some days, you know, I definitely am still failing at it. I'm maybe with my kids, but my mind's a million mi miles away thinking about an email or an Instagram caption that I'm writing or something work-related and just keeping me from being truly present. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was if this is a struggle that is really close to my heart and it's something that all of my friends are feeling, really every woman I know, then it's probably something that our audience is feeling too. 
Um, I think that in this age of being constantly connected to our devices, that struggle of wanting to be more present but feeling really distracted is something that's felt by everyone. And so that realization led to me taking that to my site and realizing that I wanted to use our content to kind of scratch my own itch and learn how to become less distracted and use our content to help our audience be more present in their lives and be more intentional and being able to articulate that and really having that crystallized as our core message sent me on a path of really starting to carve out a unique point of view that I felt like was my own and that was different from what I'd been doing as I walked in the footsteps of other people. Absolutely. That's so important. I think too, especially because um, regardless of whether or not listeners are building their own business or stay-at-home moms or you know girls just graduating from college or what have you, there is this it, like massive... Um, pressure I think on so many women that that media or our family of origin or that we put on ourselves that says that we have to look like her or have her life or have her business or do this thing so how do you think that you navigated the the steps to get past trying to sort of look like someone else or act like someone else which we all do mm -hmm. like all of us when we're starting off in business do the same thing because you're unsure and so you kind of model behavior until you can find your own way so if if listeners are like oh my gosh that is me how did you or what are some of the things that you did that you felt like really helped you have confidence to be yourself the what what people really connect with are those imperfect moments. Um, I remember going to this conference where I was asked to speak about entertaining. Um, it was leading up to the holidays and I was supposed to, you know, share ideas for decorating your house for Christmas and, um, you know, kind of typical seasonal content like that. And I remember I decided to share a story of a Thanksgiving that my husband and I had hosted um, a couple of years after we got married, we were living in a teeny tiny little bungalow and hosted Thanksgiving for both sides of our family. 10 minutes after they showed up, the one toilet in the house got clogged. Oh my gosh. I think someone had stuffed some lettuce down oh the dish no. disposal and all those old houses yeah. are all on one plumbing yeah. um, cycle. So the one toilet got clogged. The rest of the day, our guests had to shuttle to the nearest Starbucks to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we had decided to fry a turkey for the first time. Of course, it burnt to a crisp. Yep. We still had to carve it because yep. we had to eat the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> and... Cutting into it, we realized that I had accidentally left the little plastic bag no! of giblets inside <laughs> while it cooked. So all that to say, it ended up being the part of my talk that resonated the most with our audience, more than any other tips and advice that I had to share about holiday entertaining. And it was a real wake-up call for me that people want the messy house. They want the zit. They want the yeah. imperfect children yeah. because that's what they connect with. And I really try now to push myself. If there's something that I'm afraid people will find out, I actually push myself to say that thing. Yeah. Because people need yes. something to connect with. And I think that that is really, um, that's, that's really the way to build the strongest brand. Mm -hmm. And so what does the brand look like today? You talked about you, you have the staff and you work on the site and you do all of these things. What does it look like today and where is it going from here? Where is the brand going? Well, 
<laughs> it's funny because doing this for 10 years, I, I have seen a lot of content creators and bloggers get really burnt out mm -hmm. and decide that they wanted to go a different direction because it can be a grind doing the same thing day in and day out and constantly producing so much content. I have not experienced that. And I'm so thankful that I still feel like I'm doing my dream job every yeah. day. And I think it's because I am always pushing myself to keep evolving and continue trying new things and taking risks. What Even if they fail, you know, taking risks because I've really learned that if you water down your message or do the formulaic thing that you know works, ultimately it's not going to be very impactful and it will get lost. Mm -hmm. So more and more, I try to push myself to have a really strong point of view and not be afraid of a negative comment or not everyone loving what I'm doing. Sure. And I think that's really taken the site and our content to another level because there's just more perspective and there's something um, deeper, I think, for our audience to find there. And Rachel, I think you do such a great job of that. You're one of my role models when it comes <laughs> to having a real point of view yeah. and sticking to it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of the way the company looks, we have a team of seven. Everyone has a very specific role um, from our executive producer who runs photo shoots to our partnerships director that does all of our brand partnerships and ad sales. Um, that said, on a team of seven, everyone also wears a lot of hats. Sure. So almost everyone on the team actually writes content for the site, researches articles, goes on set. Um, it's really cool because we are like a family that jumps in and helps each other and supports each other however we can, however that's needed, even if it's not part of our job description. I think that looking to the future, I just want to continue going deeper into this place of intentionality mm -hmm. in my own life and really exploring what that looks like and also finding ways to challenge our readers to keep going to the next level of showing up and being present. And I don't know exactly how that looks, but I know like that's where my heart is and that's what really brings me joy. And we're living in a time, thankfully, where there are so many different ways to engage with our audience, from social media to email to website. And I really look at our brand as a whole as having this mission. Um, the way that we actually share the message can look so many different ways. Absolutely. How have you, like, how has your journey as a leader changed from, you know, solopreneur or, you know, blogging by yourself to this evolution. Now you have a team of seven. Yeah. I love this question because it's something that has surprised me with how much I love it. And just what a passion it's become in my life is growing and evolving as a leader. So We've talked before a little bit about how we set goals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I start every day by looking at my goals for the day. I try to have one goal for each area of my life, one for family, one for work, all super tactical so that I can continue kind of moving the needle towards like reaching those mm -hmm. and gaining traction in those areas of my life that are really important to me. And the other day, a few weeks ago, it was soon after the new year, I added kind of a challenge to myself at the top of that goals list. 
And it says that, quote, people will forget what you say and do, but people will never forget how you make them feel. How can I be a servant leader today? Mm-hmm. And that's really how I start my day before I, before I go to work, because it's a total shift in perspective from walking into the office with this expectation of what can you all do for me today? Mm-hmm. How can you all support me? How can you help me reach my goals? It completely flips the script to one that says, what can I do for you? Absolutely. How can I serve you? And becoming that servant leader is really like a huge passion of my heart. And it's one of my main goals right now in my own life. Are there, uh, just if someone hears that, it kind of sparks some interest in them. Are there books that you've read on this topic or any like resources that you have that you feel like have helped you in your journey and in this sort of servant, like a servant's heart, leader's heart, that kind of thing? Yeah, I love. Um, I mean, it's the the old old oldie but goodie John Maxwell books. Yes. I mean, I think that they are so. Um, There's they have a simple message mm-hmm. that truly transcends time. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're just so packed full of truth and wisdom. And I love the perspective that like everyone is a leader. Yes, you know, moms are leaders. Yes if you volunteer, you're a leader, like you can lead your friend group. I think that sometimes people think that it's only entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. who actually are leading people, Mm -hmm. but everyone has this incredible sphere of influence in their life and they have the ability to step up as a servant leader in whatever group that looks like. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. I know intentionality is so important in the work that you do and just who you are as a person. Can you tell us some tactical things? Like people are listening and they're like, I want to live life on purpose. I want to do this more beautifully. What are some simple ideas that they can take into their day? Like you setting goals at the beginning of a day, I think is a great, um, tip. What are what are some of your favorite tips for being more intentional in yep. your day? Okay, so I also I, I have to be tactical because I get so distracted during the day. My biggest challenge is like coming back to the things that are important to me, um, and I have to have really practical ways in my own life to do that. So the morning goals are huge. One element of those, though, that I think I take it a step further, and it's been really key for me is. After I review my morning goals, I take out my calendar and I look at my schedule for that day and ask myself, how much of my day is devoted to the things that really matter? Yes. So good. If a lot of my day or most of my day is devoted to emails, checking stupid things off my to-do list that don't actually have to go done that day, you know, kind of looking and feeling productive, but not really making traction on any of the things that matter to me. I switch things around. Yeah. So I cancel something. I move things around on my schedule to make room for what's important. And then I actually create a calendar appointment and it might say this hour is blocked off to research a story that's really important to me that I'm working on. Or this 30 minutes is blocked off to get down on the floor and play with my kids Mm -hmm. and put my phone away. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if I have even spent some of that time working on the goals that are really important to me, I can go to bed happy. Yeah. It's those days where you feel like you frittered away all of your time being really busy, yes. but not making progress. Like those are, that's, that's what f- makes me feel like I didn't show yes. up in the way that I wanted to. I, I get, um, overwhelmed isn't the right word for this feeling, but I get, um, 
I hate when I feel like my entire day was lived on someone else's agenda. Because I think a lot of times, you know, you and I have a very similar situation in that we are the face of our brand. So not only are we trying to lead a team and show up in these ways and do this stuff, but we're also the one that's in the photo, writing the things, doing the morning show, whatever it looks like. And so I hate when I feel like I've, you know, a week's gone by and all I did was knock off things that other people needed me to do instead of what I actually am really passionate about. So how do you balance that, like fight for that time for yourself versus making sure that you are showing up for that team and and doing a good job for them? Yeah. Well, okay. So one thing you said about that, I, I couldn't agree more. I have those days where I feel like I just kind of got sucked into what everyone else wanted me to do for that day or... Um, I am one of those people who I love me a to-do list and I love to check things <laughs> off and I almost have to fight against that urge. Um, this may sound a little bizarre, but stay with me. I love bizarre. Let's do it. <laughs> one of my goals for this year is to become a better procrastinator. Let me unpack it. Okay. So, there is a book that I love called Originals. It's by Adam Grant and it's about the work habits of the most innovative thinkers. And in it, he talks about how when we leave a task unfinished, it stays active in our minds. We keep thinking about it, mulling over it, even like unconsciously kind of thinking about this challenge or project or task in our minds. And that's where the biggest creative insights happen. So this feels so I'm like, yeah, because I think about this with some of my books that they have been in my brain or were in my brain for years before mm -hmm. I ever put them on paper. Yeah. And if you had jumped in and immediately started writing them, Mm -hmm. you would have felt like, oh, I'm getting it done. I'm getting this book done. But you hadn't left time for it to marinate and really let that true creativity happen. So I'm really trying to get better at allowing myself that breathing room so that I actually have time to think and be creative and like ponder and those things that can't happen when we're so busy just checking them off our to-do list prematurely that we may or may not have done our best work. Yeah. So it's I, I'm, I think of it as like productive procrastination. That's so good. Um, so that's one thing that is another way that I'm trying to like really kind of make traction and make sure that I'm spending time on what matters to me. Um, the other part of living more intentionally across all areas of my life that's been huge is Brendan Bouchard's triggers. Yes. The trigger moments are huge. Yeah. So the idea of it, I know Brendan's been on your show before and it's that there are little parts of our day that we encounter every single day. I think his are like walking through a doorway. Walking through a door, taking a shower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it triggers reminders to Mm -hmm. ourselves of the kind of people we want to be, the way we want to show up, the way we want to feel in a given moment. And as someone who gets easily distracted and caught up in the moment, having those triggers, for me, it's things like sitting down at my desk is a reminder to really be intentional about the project that I'm working on at work. I take those deep breaths. I really like calm my mind and try to focus only on what I'm doing, which usually means turning my email off, putting my phone in my bag so that I can't be distracted. Um, You know, sitting down at the table to eat a meal Mm -hmm. is like a trigger point to remind me to just be present, savor the food that I'm eating, 
So those trigger moments throughout the day have really been game-changing for me, going from feeling like I'm kind of on autopilot, rushing through my day to get from point A to point B, to slowing down and feeling like I'm really living my life yeah. and reclaiming the kind of person that I want to be. How much, I mean, I know this answer because we're friends, but I'm setting this up right now. Um, so how much is your health playing a part in your ability to show up in this way as a leader, as a mom, as a wife, like as the kind of woman that you want to be? Because I know that you're conscious of what you eat and taking care of your body and drinking enough water and doing all those things. So was that something you've always had or is that something you've adopted as your business has grown? I've always practiced healthy habits. I think my motivation has changed. Mm. It used to be that I worked out and ate healthy for how it made me look. Yep, totally. And it felt burdensome and it felt like something that I was always having to think about and it felt stressful. A few years ago, I realized that exercise especially is what gives me energy. It makes me happy. It changes my outlook on life. It truly allows me to be my best self yeah. and show up for the people that I love. And now that is my core motivation for exercising. It's my core motivation for eating food that really nourishes my body. I really want to bring my A-game to everyone. Mm -hmm. I want every day to matter. I don't want to waste it by feeling crappy or being distracted because I feel bloated or um, you know, just tired yes. because I didn't work out and I still feel like I'm shaking off sleep from that morning. Yeah. So, um, so they're, they've been really important for me to just be the kind of person that I want to be in general. And the funny thing is when that becomes your why, like when those reasons are your motivation, eating healthfully and exercising becomes a really joyful part of life. Yeah. Um, I, I heard this years ago, not years ago, I heard this a few months ago, one of my friends said it and I keep um, repeating it on the podcast and I keep repeating it to myself. Um, he asks himself before every meal, is this food going to bless my body? Mm. And not in a religious way, but just in a, if you ask yourself like, is are these chili cheese fries going to bless me before you put them in your mouth, then your thought process is like, of course it's not. So if it's, and you know, like even just taking that pause to ask yourself a question about whether or not this is going to be, is this going to make me feel better or worse? And believe me that there are times where like I want a donut and, and the question, is this going to bless me? Is yes, this mm -hmm. donut is going to bless me right now because yep. I need a donut. Absolutely. But just slowing down and being more thoughtful about what it is you're consuming. I love that you said the thing about feeling tired or sluggish or... I think that so few people stop to consider that they feel the way they do because of how they're taking care of their body. I think we tend to think like, oh, I'm tired. I'm not getting enough sleep. But really, when you are thoughtful about eating for energy and being mindful of what makes me feel bad, what makes me feel good and leaning into those things, it's life-changing. Mm -hmm. We're both, we're joking before we started recording today, we both had our smoothies this morning. <laughs> so we're both big fans of Kelly Levesque. Because do you do the whole plan or are you just a smoothie gal? You know, I I do the smoothie and not every morning because I, I actually am just such a big believer in her, just the fab four. Yes. 
balance. So easy. You know, the it's fat, so easy. protein, fiber, greens. Yep. And so if I don't have a smoothie, I'll do another breakfast yeah, that's like that eggs, that. avocado, mm-hmm. arugula, mm-hmm. and like a fiber cracker totally. or something like that. I think that having those like four pillars mm-hmm. really does make me feel great. Even this morning, you know, I chose to have a smoothie because I feel like when I have the smoothie, I feel that great balance of light and energetic, Yes, but also like my blood sugar feels very stable yes, and I feel I agree. calm and alert. I agree. Okay. So if you guys want to dig more into that, we both love Kelly Levesque and her book, Body Love. She is episode number 40 of the podcast. If you want to listen to her philosophy on health, cause it's, it's great. And it's simple. I love that. It's not like eat these 10 things. Mm-hmm. It's just like have a balance of these four elements and you'll be good to go. Yeah. I could not ever stick to any kind of eating plan that Agreed. where that limited like how I was living my life. You know, Absolutely. I want to feel free to have chips and guac, go to dinner and with have a margarita. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, another book that I love that I read this year, um, it's called The Slow Down Diet. It is fascinating. It's an older book. I stumbled upon it somehow, but the idea of it is just that it's not just about what we eat, it's how we eat. Interesting. And when we are slowing down and being really mindful and conscious of what we're putting into our mouth, it actually changes our metabolism. How interesting. Whether we're eating a smoothie or an ice cream cone, it's all about like being present and fully processing what we're doing. And like it changes the entire way that we process and digest food. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool read. Yeah, I do love this too. This is one of my favorite things about you because you you read as much as I do. So you're like, oh, and then also, um, were there any other books this that you've read this year that you feel like were really awesome or helpful? Right now I'm reading... Brave Not Perfect by Reshma Sajani. I really, Cam, we got to get her on the podcast. I really want to talk to her. It's like a more thoughtful grown-up version of Girl Stop Apologizing. Uh-huh. Uh, it came out maybe like a month before this book, but I am shocked at how similar, like this is clearly a conversation that women need to have right now, this obsession with why we don't live boldly, why we apologize, why we, it's all about how little girls are raised to be perfect and to be pretty and to try, Mm -hmm. and little boys are raised to be brave. And if we as women could embrace the idea of being brave instead of being perfect, oh, it's so good. So that's the one I'm loving. I want to read that. Yeah, it's really good. I feel like that is a message that I'm teaching my daughter Mm -hmm. and I'm also still learning it myself. Yes, totally. It's something that, going back to like, we've talked a little bit before about negative comments. Mm -hmm. That's something that I used to, I used to think like, Hey, it's really cool that we don't get that many negative comments on the site because our audience is so nice. (laughs) And then it's like, I had this wake up call where I was like, wait a second, are we too vanilla? Do we need to start pushing the envelope more? And what it made me realize is that like a little controversy, it, it's not a bad thing yeah. when it means you're talking about things that people care yes, about. Yes. And I think that that was, for me, the takeaway from that wake-up call was I don't need to say things just to cause controversy, sure. but I need to be really leaning into the, the issues that you care about. I care about and that are top of mind pain points on the hearts of our audience. Absolutely. Like those are the things I want to be creating content about because it's what our audience deeply cares about yeah. and it's what they're thinking about yes. and what they're hungry for content for. Yeah, I, I have gotten this question a lot for press for the new book of people asking how I deal with angry comments on the internet or I get I get 
bullied both ways. So I get bullied for not people think that I need to be more vocal about the issues. And then other people are like, you need to stop commenting on issues. I only want you to like, tell Mm -hmm. me jokes and show off your hair, which is insane. (laughs) You're Um, like, do you know me? I'm like, come on. (laughs) So one of the questions I got from an interview recently was, um, she went pretty hard on like, why don't you stand up for more things? Why don't you tell people how to vote? Why don't you use this platform to, and I was like, I believe that having a platform means that you should comment and you should take a stance on things that you personally are Mm -hmm. deeply passionate about. Like you said, affect you, affect your audience. If I comment on every single thing that's happening in the world, and there are plenty of people who do it, but it starts to lose its meaning Mm -hmm. versus if I take a stance on things that I am deeply passionate about inclusion, um, women believing it, like these kind of things that it's insane that they're controversial, but they are. I'm like, this is the hill I will die on. This Mm -hmm. is the thing that if I have to go down because I said that I love and accept everybody and you didn't like that, great. Then Mm -hmm. I was not meant, you were not meant to follow me online. So I, there's a handful of topics that I feel really passionate about and I'll battle to the death over and the other stuff, it's not it's just not going to be my, it's not going to be my thing. Um, like politics is one that people are like, why don't you talk about politics? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cause I don't really care about politics. Yeah. Well, and I think that part of, you know, being a successful and thriving person is showing up with a high level of curiosity too. And it's like, there are those issues that we've made up our mind and we're like, this is how I feel. And I am going to preach it from the rooftops. There are other issues that it is okay to show up and be like, I don't know all the answers in this particular topic. I'm curious about Mm -hmm. it. I would love to listen to Mm -hmm. other people who do have strong opinions about it, but you don't have to take a stance on every single thing. And I also think it's not appropriate to. Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of people who use their platform, and it's worth saying for those of you who are listening who are building platforms or have blogs or um, wanting to be an influencer or a thought leader, that I do think... I think it's dangerous to comment on stuff where you do not have all of the information and it doesn't affect you personally. That's when you get into trouble. That's when you accidentally say something you shouldn't and you've now offended this whole group of people. I love that idea that it's okay to be curious and to find out more information, but just because everybody else is using the hashtag and jumping in on a topic doesn't mean that you should do it too. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good reminder. Well, and it's irresponsible too because when you have a platform, your words affect other mm-hmm. people. That's so and real. And it's a great responsibility um, that comes with like an accountability that we, if we're going to come out and speak strongly about something, then we better know the facts. Absolutely. Man, I'm so grateful for your time today. We went all over, which is my favorite. We talked about it all. Oh my gosh, I could keep going for <laughs> I hours. Know, right? All the things. Um, if people, I, I'm sure that everybody knew who you were, but let's say there were like five people who didn't, where can they hang out with you online? So we're on Instagram at Camille Siles. The heart and soul of everything we do is at CamilleSiles.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get a weekly drop of inspo in your inbox. And we're producing content every single day on CamilleSiles.com. So rad. I'm so glad we got to hang out today, sis. Thank you so much, Rachel. This was so much fun. Yay!